0: Salam. I am your host Shabi, and you are listening to I Am Nala podcast. Welcome to another episode of I Am Nala podcast. My guest today, uh, she's a member of Nala Advisory Council, Minister of Information, Communication Technology of Namibia. No other than Emma Theophilus. Hey Emma, how are you? Hi.
1: I'm good, how are Yeah, hello to everybody listening
0: in. Well, I, I have to ask you, are you okay?
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's It's been a better week than most.
0: It's good to hear. You know, sometimes with people who are public servants and politicians, they need to ask everybody else, how are they doing? But uh, rarely they're asked if they're okay. Who is Emma Theophilus?
1: Uh, Emma Theophilus is... A young, passionate um, young woman who um, is universal that embraces all I, th- I think that sums up
0: That's beautiful. So I know you're uh you've been busy yesterday we couldn't record what did you do at work yesterday?
1: uh yesterday I had a couple of meetings in the morning. Uh, we are busy drafting our digital strategy um then I had to prep for cabinet. Uh, we had a special cabinet meeting. Then I had to go to parliament because I was contributing to the High Court Amendment Bill. Um, yeah, and that ended my day.
0: Okay, let's go a little bit uh, to your childhood. Tell us about your family. How did you grow up? Where in Namibia did you grow up?
1: So, yes, I think I had an average family, uh, mom and dad, a younger brother and younger sister. I grew up in Katutura. Bantuk, Namibia. Spent my whole childhood there, went to public schools there, um, integrated with the community there. Uh, Then I, of course, uh, joined an after-school center called the Kayak Trust, uh, which was a game changer for me because it allowed me to uh, connect with other children from different backgrounds, um, exposed to activities I wouldn't do in my home necessarily or my family necessarily and that opened up new horizons I learned about human rights I learned about the importance to be you know free and and express yourself freely uh, with confidence and that shaped a little bit um, how I turned out today.
0: And then you got into politics how did that happen was it a plan or it just happened?
1: Well first I got into activism uh, around children's rights Uh, because there was no law that protected children's rights. And then, of course, that moved into, like, youth rights, uh, education rights, um, rights for young women, rights for reproductive health and rights. Um, And then, of course, because of that, I decided to study law. Uh, So I went to university and I did my law degree. And while I was doing my law degree, I continued my activism journey as a student activist, now, then, Um, and then joined... um, of course, I joined the political party of my choice and thereafter started working on different projects um, related to politics, youth activism, youth rights, you know, decided to st- study law, graduate and get into the law practice. I was then asked to join government by the president as a member of parliament and as deputy minister.
0: So um well, first, I'm wondering if you're still the youngest on the continent because when you say when I was youth activist, you literally were 23 when you got appointed,
1: yeah, no, I'm 27 now and I, I still consider myself a youth activist because I'm still youth. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it still stands that I'm I'm the youngest on the continent.
0: That's incredible. So I wanted to know what was the best decision or or the most, in a good way, the most difficult decision you've made since you've taken this role?
1: The most difficult, um, and it's, it's still a continuous decision I take um, because it's never ending. Um, it's the decision to continuously advocate for things I used to advocate for as a youth activist, uh, because the political space is different. It has written rules and unwritten rules, um, silent expectations and loud expectations. Um, And it's easy to just go with the crowd or go with what others believe is true and is important. Uh, But I have to constantly make a decision every day that what I advocate for is truly what I believe in um, and I'm willing to stand for it and I'm willing to act on it. Um, put energy, time, resources where necessary to 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 make it a reality. And that's a continuous decision I continuously make uh, based on the foundation of being a youth activist and having certain principles and values I still hold on to, even my political role.
0: Just to let the listeners know that Emma basically is doing her hair while we're recording this podcast. And that's uh, literally, <laughs> you know... <laughs> it's yeah it's being a woman in politics right yeah it it is what it is (laughs) so i wanted to ask what makes your job exciting what do you tell yourself when you wake up uh getting ready to go to the ministry um having this opportunity
1: every day makes me very grateful because one there aren't many of us in this country on the continent in the world um and, and just being in the space alone speaks volumes because it's almost like hello, we young women are also here and we deserve a seat at the table we deserve to be represented here um so just just that presence alone makes me feel very grateful um but I'm always so excited to bring a a young woman's perspective um which almost every single time surprises my colleagues they've never thought about a perspective like that they've never um, ever, you know, thought about it in a way, uh, you know, how it affect a young woman or a young person or so so every day I I feel almost absolved that um although progress is slow um and it's not always so clear um if, if things are moving or uh progressive, I, I I do feel that in that way when when situations like that come up, I feel like, yeah that There is something. Um, and it it's way better than no young person or young woman being in the space. So yeah, that, that that excites me.
0: So, do you have some secret affirmations you tell yourself in the morning or in the evening?
1: Absolutely. I pray every morning. I try to meditate every night. Um, and I i no, I I I constantly, you know, just show gratitude. Uh so my affirmations just to a- Less the things I'm very grateful for, um, whether it's my health, um, yeah. whether it's my ability to to speak, to read, to understand.
0: So I know you uh, mentor a lot of young people to go yeah. into politics. I know one of the conversations we had, you really encourage these young people you believe in um, to show up for political party meetings, to engage, yeah. to campaign to do something, to start somewhere. So for young women listening to us who are hesitant to go to politics, because we know in many African countries, very hostile uh, and sometimes nearly impossible to, to go into politics. Um, what would you tell them? Where, where do they start? What are the few <laughs> steps they can take, the smart steps they can take? Yeah, I think the first thing is
1: they need to inform themselves. They need to understand uh, the political system, how it operates, you know, just even simple things like what political parties are out there, Uh, What choice would you like, you know, to make in terms of political party um, and then show up? You need to show up. You need to be visible. You need to be seen. You need to make your voice heard. Um, That's the only way you start building a track record. So um, you don't have to do so much. You don't have to know all the answers or, or know how the system completely works. You just need to show up and continuously learn. Have a spirit of a learner, a spirit of learning, and you will surely get there. It takes time. I mean, I think back to when I started my activism was when I was 13, I got appointed at 23. That's it. It's 10 years in the making, but it didn't feel like 10 years, um, you understand. And it takes time, but you need to start. You need to start now. So yeah, that's my encouragement for them to get into that space.
0: Start now. We would hope you would still be in politics because you are doing amazing well you're delivering but also you are inspiring a lot of young women to just see you there in the space um this hair is coming out nicely (laughs) (laughs) so i want to talk now about your ministerial portfolio you are championing nala manifesto demand on digital justice you've done incredible work especially during COVID 19 pandemic, um, and I think it speeded up the revolution, the digital revolution in Africa, in Namibia. So how do you see the industry evolving over the next few years, and where do you see young women especially can come in?
1: At the ministry level, we are, of course, drafting various laws, bills, policies, and putting together strategies for an ever-changing ICT sector around cyber law, cybersecurity, cyber crime. Our digital strategy, um, also looking at data protection. Um, all of this are important if we're going to have a digital economy that every sector can tap an, into. So we are putting all that sort of framework in place so that you know, citizens, businesses, the country is safeguarded. But we're also doing activities um, for, of a public nature. We are um, helping young girls code. So we were able to run a coding program about a year ago for 100 girls and teaching them how to code and for them to come up with solutions for problems in their communities. We also launched um, a a digital literacy program so that people are able to be literate as they go onto online spaces. We are also looking at reducing the cost of data because it's quite expensive at the moment um, and it limits the ability for those who do not have the necessary amount of financial prowess to go online. And we also want to introduce text breaks on devices. So if you are able to afford a smartphone, um, you are way better off than somebody who's unable to afford a news one. So we want more people to afford uh, digital gadgets for them to access online spaces. So those are some of the interventions we are, we are working on. Um, we are also donating laptops and computers to schools, community centers, so that um, even though somebody cannot access the device of their own, they can still access one at a community level that they can still use to go online. I tabled a motion around um, re- reduction on of tax or re- complete removal of tax on sanitary pads. Um, with efforts to reduce the costs because it's quite expensive and we still have many especially school-going girls who are unable to um, access certain days of school because of something biologically happening to them that they cannot opt out of. So that was successfully passed. Um, Secondly, I also uh, proposed um, during a debate on youth unemployment for tax incentives for companies to actually... um, create opportunities for young interns and particularly for paid internships uh, because I do not believe in the exploitation of young people and their skills Um, and that was recently adopted in the midterm review as announced by the finance minister.
0: And uh, where do you see young women come in I'm not sure about Namibia if it's still a predominantly male space. It definitely is Um, the tech space is
1: still quite predominantly male Um, in terms of skill set, in terms of like startups, tech startups, mostly young men, uh, tech companies, uh, men. Um, So we're really trying to encourage women and young women to get into the space around cybersecurity, uh, um, data analytics, um, you know, web development. Uh, We really want young women to get into the space. Um, And we've already started speaking to our system ministries of education to see if we can come up with a scholarship program here towards girls to get into tech. Um, Hopefully that way we can increase their numbers and for this revolution, this digital revolution to not leave any young women or women behind.
0: I want to move from the national um, context and your national engagement to more like the continental engagement. Uh, We were Mm -hmm. together in Nairobi for the NALA Summit. um, It was your second retreat at NALA FEM. Maybe you can tell us more about the people you've met, the experience you had, the impact you felt you had on people, um, and why being in a Pan-African feminist collective like NALA FEM is important to you. Um, I know also you are engaged in different other forums to to make sure you're part of also the global conversation.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is at the summit in Nairobi, all of us were having um, some exhaustion that we couldn't all comprehend or understand. But now that we see the situation in Gaza, around Palestine and Israel, I think we all suffer from compassionate uh, grief and compassionate um, exhaustion, uh, because it just feels like the world is broken and all of us Um, feel it on a deep level and um, being part of the summit and being part of such a uh, a feminist movement on the continent validates our feelings because sometimes you feel like you are seeing things the only way you can but getting to a space where other young feminists are reassuring you that you're not the only one um, and that they see it too and that they feel it too um, it's quite reassuring Um, and almost like an energy booster to getting back to the work. Um, so that has been really great. Um, and I think the summit in Nairobi was a bit different because I think we delved a bit deeper, deeper into our work, deeper into what we want to be, our offering as a as a council, as a collective, um, holding ourselves accountable and and how we show up for the organization, show up for ourselves, um, show up for our countries. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, that was quite good to have because I, I reflect on it sometimes and in some spaces and I'm thinking oh, oh man if only I could replicate what we had in Nairobi you know so yeah so that that has been my my feeling um post Nairobi and um I think it rings true even now and today still um that smell like them is necessary
0: so I want to um, I want to get some tips from Emma and learn more about your leadership, uh, but also your personal tastes. And I feel like we're in a good setting <laughs> where you are right now. <laughs> um, so a few a few questions on, uh, and, you know, you can answer them the way you, you feel it conveys the message. What has been the best career advice you've ever received? The best one so far has been to continuously be authentic.
1: Um, and in doing so, I've realized that I show up as myself, not, not the title, not the position, not the persona, none of that shows up, um, if I continuously show up as my authentic self and that, that has been, that has carried me through, I think so
0: far. So if you're hiring someone, what would be something that would impress you? Um, their general knowledge about what's happening in the world, <laughs>
1: like, i really like somebody who's constantly informed um, understand the basic of of politics economics how the world works that impresses me because i think this past few years has shown us that people are quite ignorant um we expect people to know a lot but they don't uh people are gullible they get a little bit of information
0: they believe it and spread it uh so talking of reading what are you reading right now around these days? Um, I read recently
1: that we are at a point where we are in sort of a, a bursting bubble. All this um, efforts by conservative and extremist groups to um, reverse the gains we've made as women, reverse the gains we've made around uh, reproductive health and rights, the gains we've made around political participation, all of that um, is basically the patriarchy finally realizing that we're a threat. And now they're trying to inch as much as possible to reduce the gains that we have made. So the book is called uh, Women Are From Venus and Men Are From Mars. Um, and it just, it's giving me a bit of insight um, in the thought process of, of how women think and how men think and how women I think, <laughs> in my own opinion, um, are the best choice for any leadership in society, whether it's in business, in politics, um, because it all boils down to a socioeconomic benefit for everybody. Uh,
0: do you do you have in mind right now, I know we face everyday patriarchy, do you have in mind anything recently happened you were like, oh, damn, patriarchy again?
1: Um, I think the most recent was, so we are approaching election and we have a female presidential candidate, and now the conversation is popping up about: Can women truly lead? Can a woman really be the commander in chief of an army? Um, you know, do they have the emotional intelligence and emotional maturity to actually, you know, take tough decisions? And and then I'm thinking, but in almost every space, women show up every day. Uh, we're good enough to to raise president good enough to raise kings, ministers leaders but we're not good enough to be those leaders ourselves make it make sense so i think yeah that was just like here we go again the patriarchy showing up again uh when they see any advancement um they try to yank us back so yeah
0: yeah brilliant example and uh we're all eyes on you know the elections <laughs> not only in namibia across the continent because a lot of women also are rising to to step in for campaigning right because the patriarchy has been like holding that space not even an option to step in and now Mm -hmm. when they step in they're called all sorts of names and doubted for their leadership um so some, some lighter questions, what do you use for your skincare? Are you mostly obsessed with your hair or nails or facial? I can see you're already doing your hair, so that's very important.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really love my hair. I think <laughs> I think my, my grandmother blessed me with really good hair because <laughs> she has really good hair. So um, I use most uh, mostly organic products. <laughs> uh, we have what we call you know, a, a fruit called onbeke in my native language. Um, it's quite, uh, it produces a thick um, thick oil um, that moisturizes your hair, keeps it healthy, strong. Um, so I apply that on my hair, on my skin, um, and a lot of sunscreen on top of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's what I, I mostly use. Your favorite chocolate? Fun fact, I don't have a sweet to like chocolate. I don't like cake. I don't like sweets. I, I'm i not a dessert person. I don't like sweet stuff at all.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, you're sugar-free. That's why you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, no thank you. <laughs> okay. So, okay, perhaps flowers. Do you have a favorite flower?
1: Yes, I like- love orchids. Uh, I really? love I love so much. Yeah, they, I don't know, they, for me, they're elegant, simple. I love, I love them so much. So in my home, I try to have a fresh batch every week.
0: Amazing, especially the purple ones. They're so beautiful. Oh, the purple
1: ones, yes. <laughs> no, they're very nice.
0: So if you have one invitation to anyone you admire who will for sure come to your dinner, which person would that be?
1: Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a very, very tough one. My favorite person,
0: like in politics or just in general. <laughs> in general, could be anyone. Could okay, be. let's say three people, so you have more. <laughs> okay. More <trust. laughs>
1: okay. So, um, Madam Ellen Sirleaf Johnson, I've really had the opportunity to sit down with her, and um, I would be so happy to do it again. She has such gems of wisdom um I just want to tap into. So she's she's one. The second one would be um our former Deputy Prime Minister, Dr. Libertina Mazilla. She is, I think, one of the women I look up to in terms of philanthropy, servanthood, her time, her energy, her, her resources to the community. And um I think it's it's something I want to emulate um at some point in my life so she's the second person Dr Libertine Amadila now Apollos um, and then the third person I think I'll stick to those two I'll
0: stick to those two so so no men no no dates with men yeah
1: um <laughs> uh, not at this time <laughs> not at this time
0: <laughs> got it got it <laughs> <laughs> you've been very vocal on what's happening in gaza you also signed uh on lfm collective statement uh yeah but but your message is very strong because it's about liberation and you as namibia are people who know exactly what does that mean uh as as recently you know uh driving your own liberation
1: yeah no i in fact yesterday when i was contributing to the high court amendment bill um, I reiterated again our solidarity with the people of Palestine, and knowing exactly that what they're going through is what we went through a few years ago, and we fully support their right to self-determination, to call for the for the end to the conflict, to the war, to the genocide, um, so that the people of Palestine um, can get their dignity back, uh, and so they're able to to self-govern and um, be be free from the oppression of an apartheid regime that would like to to strip um, their identity away. So um, in solidarity with the people of Palestine. I am Nala because I believe that every young woman needs the opportunity to an education, to online safe spaces, and the ability to self-determination.
0: Enjoy your day. Love you so much. Thank you so much.
1: Love you too. Bye. Bye. Bye Aya.
0: To learn more, visit our website nalafem.org. Follow us on social media at Nalafam and IG account at I am Nala Podcast. You can also give us a five-star review on all podcasting platforms if you enjoyed this episode. Sign our manifesto, nalafem.org/slash manifesto, and keep on the conversation. Leave a comment below.